With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with a new guest today. Uh, Johnny, would you like to introduce yourself to the uh, the Arsenal Opinion listeners? Uh, yeah, what's going on, guys? My name's Johnny Cochran. Um, you may, if you have listened to it, um, you may know me from the Arsenal Nation podcast. I'm a co-host on that or a contributor several times on the Arsenal Nation and Match Day programmes. And you might just know me in general because you stalk me or things like that. You know, I don't know. So either way, that's the way I am. Thank you. Um, welcome. We're really excited to chat to you about Arsenal. And we welcome the return of Dom. Dom, how are you doing? Good, mate. Good. This is my, my third time. So I want like a hat-trick ball or I want to take a ball home. Or you, you need to send me something, mate. This is... Uh... Big I'll, news! I have to, I have to I'll dig out some merch. I have to dig out. Yeah, some merch. I love that. Even better, better than what I hoped for. <laughs> but yeah, good to be back, man. Awesome. Do you get like, do you get like loyalty bonuses, like Nando's cards and stuff? Like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If 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 there were if somebody was willing to sponsor the podcast, then maybe I could dish out some some merchandise. But sadly, that, in, that is wink, not wink. the case. Exactly. Anyone listening? <laughs> exactly. Um, right, guys. So there's um, there's plenty of weird stuff going on in the world of Arsenal um, at the moment. I think there's some fun topics that that we can that we can crack through. Um, so. I want to talk about some of the weird stuff that's going on, uh, Arsenal, um, you know, questions around whether Danny Ceballos is a troublemaker. 
Um, we've got Raul Signelli's uh, best mate over at Lille, ousted. Um, we've got three incredibly difficult games coming up um, that I also want to talk about. And then um, I touched on it in, in the last podcast that I did, but um, it'd be great to get your take on what's going on with Mikel. And then we'll finish the podcast out with a conversation about everybody's favorite topics, um, transfers. And I want to I want to find out whether you guys can pronounce that Hungarian kid that we've been uh, linked to because his name is very complicated. So um, hot off the press. Um Let's, uh, 2020 has been a terrible year, um, especially um, as it seem, appears we're living in a, in a bit of a, a post-truth world. But there was some shocking news today. Um, David Ornstein came out with a bit of a salacious piece about David Luiz and Danny Ceballos getting into a fight. Um, and then... The US and one. I, I, it sounds like, sounds like Danny Ceballos lost because he got a scratched <laughs> nose from being hit. Um, but the, the twist in the story is Danny Ceballos came out and called fake news on David Ornstein. So, um, guys, first question that I want to ask, like, what, what are your thoughts on hopes and dreams being smashed when it comes to David Ornstein here? Like, let's get a, 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 hot, a hot temperature check. No, we, no. All, we've, got, we've got to believe that David Ornstein is the pillar of truth because I don't know if the world keeps turning if we lose... If we lose trust in David Ornstein, in Orney himself, then, I mean, you know, I don't know where we turn for news. You know, we, we, we just have to go to these in-the-know people in Twitter and social media and just go, I mean, I mean, someone's apparently saying that these two players are fighting. Can we find any more information? Before you know it, there'll be like some green-screened CGI'd fight that they've put together <laughs> and uh, put out on the internet and, and present this truth. So... I'm backing only. I don't think he would put his name down there and out there unless he had serious information that this happened. Yeah, I, I'm with that. You mean, like, he's got to have someone who was there on the training ground, pit side, ringside, if you like, watching that. That has got back to him. There's no way he's, like, you know, just heard it off of his mate on Twitter or whatever it is, right? So, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, and it must have touched a nerve for, for Danny to come out and say it's fake. So th- maybe there's something in that even. It's not even an inter- it's not an interesting enough rumour to make up. Like if you were exactly. like, yeah, I, I tricked Ornstein with that one, you'd be like, well, yeah, that wasn't. The, and, and, yeah, the thing yeah. is, right, it's think of all of these exclusives that Ornstein's broke over time, you know, and, and the kind of kudos he's built up. For, for this to be the hill that he died on, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, uh, in the end we busted him as being a, a fraud because he made up a fight between David Luis and Danny Surprise. Like, come on, you know, you you might as well say that, oh, I saw Messi at the training ground, he's gonna sign. Die on that hill. That's a serious yes. big yeah, story like to break, you know, get the Arsenal fans G'd up, not fights at the training ground. So I'm backing him. Do you do and you think a... sorry, John? No, I was gonna say, do you think like just, I saw a tweet earlier about, um, who was it? Sorry, I'm going to steal your tweet and not be able to say it was. But talking about, like, culture and, like, you know, there's a fight and we go and smash leads and then it's, oh, the spirit, everyone's chomping at the bit. Or then we lose against leads and everyone goes, he's losing the players, they're fighting in training, it's all shit. Um, what would you, where would you, what side would you sit on if that was if that was the case? I mean, for me, like it's interesting you, you you know you bring this up because I think Danny Ceballos is the kind of 
central figure that comes out of this because yes, Luis has, uh, I would say, chinned him, but apparently he's bonked him on the nose and he's gone down as well. And to be fair to Danny, I really like the guy, but he has got a face you'd want to smack as well. That <laughs> slick back hair, you know, he, he thinks he's too cool to school like a fake Ponzi. So, um, I mean, the thing is, is he's now got form because of the Enketia situation, like, what, a couple yeah. of months ago, where them two were having a fight. He's going around having rounds with people. And it's not like, like, you look at Tank, you know, I mean, that geezer is built, he's stacked up, and he looks like, well, we know he can handle himself. Um, yeah. He don't go around scrapping with everyone. And yet Danny Ceballos looks like someone who could take his lunch money. And he's having it out with all the hospital players. <laughs> I, I find it interesting. And picking a fight with Enketia, Eddie looks yeah. like a nice guy. He doesn't. He right. doesn't look like he needs that in his life. No. I wonder whether the whether the kickback Ornstein is less about the fight, but more that in that story he doesn't come off very well. You get into a fight with David Luiz, and he smacks you on the nose and draws blood. It's a bit because mm. it, it sounds like a it sounds like a, a bitch slap, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's probably what he's taken umbrage over. No, I think right. so. And it's almost like, I think he's kind of said it like, you know, I, I think I think Tobias is coming from that position where it's everything's in-house and you shouldn't really be talking about stuff that happens behind closed doors and he kind of feels like that's a betrayal. But ultimately, I mean, this is also the kind of spirit we need from Tobias because ultimately, in those bigger games, I don't all, I don't think that he's one of the players that we often have to go looking for because he's gone missing. It occasionally happens, like it does to all players, but he's mainly there and gives you pretty consistent performances. And that's because I think he's up for that fight. And it may mm. be because he's willing to take a punch on the nose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 and I think to, to your point earlier, Dom, about uh, you know what, what does it actually say about culture? I, I, I know that we spoke last time. I do like the Amazon documentary uh, that mm. Jose Mourinho did. And... He he goes into he goes into that Spurs dressing room, a Spurs team that made the Champions League final and yeah, ultimately the most successful team of the last you know fifty five years or whatever without winning a trophy. And he said that you're you're all too nice. And when there's that incident with Son, sorry, thinking about Arsenal yeah. players, um, w- when he makes that um, uh, has that uh, that attack at the training ground, he yeah. he almost relishes it. He almost relishes yeah, smiling, that his, you know that he's um, that his best player is, has been hacked down in training. And I, I can't, I don't know about you guys, I can't really think of many incidents over the last fifteen years of Arsenal players having fights with each other in training. And I kind of feel like maybe it is a good thing that yeah. I, I I was I was going to agree there, Pete. I because you know I haven't played football to any great standard, but you know even in the standard I've been up to, more or less all the time there's a little quibble or something. Maybe no one's getting punched. Um, and then I remember as well uh, uh, from a friend of mine at Arsenal, um, Alex Song was getting a bit too big for his boots, and um, Steve Bold like wrestled him to the ground and was like full on having a like fight with him um so it is something that's kind of been there and it is something that should be there uh i guess to your you know liking all over him there the jose Mourinho point um so yeah it is something that you know i could look and go okay well you know hopefully you know they kiss and make up but yeah all right love it you know let's get a bit of uh get a bit of fight going well, or maybe well, that's too cliche 
It's certainly true, Dom, that, you know, um, one of the things that you could certainly say at Arsenal we've missed over the last, well, you know, at least a decade is a bit of needle. What, you know, I've said before, and I stand by it, one of the things that I think Arsenal could, if they need to, train their players to do, and I, I know it might not be that popular, but when it comes down to big games, be able to go up to the referee and get in his ear and, you know, the nasty side of football can win yeah. you, what, nine points a year, I reckon, at least. Because well, yeah, United used to United do it United, all the time, didn't they? They used to do it all the time, influencing referees. You know, what about standing on someone's toe when, you, when you're at a corner and then they punch you and then they get sent off? It's nasty stuff. Like, no one's going to say outwardly that's what we're training our players to do, but you've got to do it. You have to do it. Because in those yeah. big games, that's the difference sometimes. So if Danny wants to get in a mixer with David Luiz, fair play. And I'm pleased that David gave him a slap as well. So, yeah. you know, about, what, what gets me about it is that all the other players, it's like all the, all the big players are out on international duty and these two are just bored at home so they start getting into a ruck. They, they want <laughs> the attention. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Never punch up, it's fine. Um, but that's what our set piece coach should be doing. Should be getting them to um, pinch people under the arm and uh, step on the little toe at corners. Love that. It all started going wrong for Arsenal when we made Thierry Henry captain, and he used to, I've, he almost used to go out of his way to get applauded for like the 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 wrong reason. I felt like Thierry's captaincy took a bit of edge out of the mm. system. He was a he, he was a nice guy, like I, I, and I, I don't think we've. We haven't had a, like a player like Vieira or Keown or Adams in the dressing room that would hold players accountable. And I'm not sure that David Luiz and Ceballos are the, the players that you want, but you would hope that Thomas Partey has got some of that Simeone magic, you know, the, the, mm. the, um, the dark arts that we've sorely missed. And even Arteta, you know, you've, we've seen him in the All or Nothing videos talking about tactical fouls yeah, um, yeah. in those games. Um, okay, so uh, uh, overall, what we're saying is that we're, we're if the story is true, which we believe it is because we believe Ornstein, we're happy that there's that sort of friction going on at the ground nowadays. Yeah, I mean, the only potential negative is that it keeps being Ceballos. But for me, I don't, you know, if there's another round next week and Danny's had another slap, then I, I'd start to be <laughs> a little concerned. But, um, you know... In general, no, I don't mind it because I think that's one of the things that Sabayas does bring. And ultimately, if David's handing out, the, handing out the punches as well, I don't see that as being a bad thing because, you know, I think some of our defenders need to uh, find a way of, you know, ex expressing that aggression, that just not on a training ground, but also on match day. So, yeah, no yeah. issue for me at this stage. And, and to your point as well, the, the fact that David is handing them out He's like the oldest one in the team, isn't he? He's like the statesman. He's probably in the... He's not in the team to do that. But, you know, I'm sure Arteta will think he's the the man in the dressing room. You know, Aubameyang isn't going to go around grabbing people as, as that kind of captain. So, <laughs> yeah. So you've got your your, your David who's, who's going to do that for you. Hey, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's all good. All good for me, I think. Great. Okay, so now I want to move on to a, a, a more positive topic. Well, it's a positive wrapped in a negative, but I wanted to talk about um, another international break. I wanted to talk about the good bits and the bad bits. Um, firstly, I wanted to talk about the good bits. Uh, Saka, 
it feel it feels like Saka is a is a national treasure in the England <laughs> squad already. I, am I seeing that with rose tinted glasses, or does no, it seem like him. the fans love him, the pundits love him, and the players yeah. seem to love him? Like, what did you guys make sure, make of the, the the England performances that he had recently? Really, I mean, good. I've got to be honest. I watched the England games on a YouTube video. Um, highlight reel and that was only because I knew we were going to talk about it today I ain't interested in England at all. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That, that's just straight up I'm, gonna, I'm just going to drop it like it's hot on that but I yesterday I saw Saka trending on Twitter and I was like oh what's going on here so I was like let me go and check this out as well and um, I knew that he had played well as did uh, Phil Foden obviously um, getting a couple of goals but uh, to centralise on the Arsenal um, uh, kind of interest um, Saka influencing it now at international level certainly doesn't surprise me but I think that um, what will happen is um, because if you think there's been so much hype around Foden being in the sense that he plays for previously thought of as the most creative team in the country at City and he was an English lad who's been able to break into that team and you know earn his place on technical ability and, uh, and ability to live at that level whereas Saka has been coming through in an Arsenal team that is by no means as coherent, by no means as uh, um, kind of as dominant as City would be. But what I think we are going to need Saka to be, because I said to my friend like a little while ago, I think this will now have to be Saka's team. And it feels so weird to Mm. say for someone so young, but I do think this is Saka's team. And I'm sure we'll go on to it. Uh, to speak a bit more in depth throughout the pod. But I ultimately think that we will need to start building the team around Saka in a centralised role as a creative hub, because I think he does have that talent. And playing again at international level and not going hiding just shows that he has probably the most important thing, which is the temperament, not just the ability. Yeah, that's a good shout. I um, I did watch it. I watched it probably because it's fuck all else to do is it lockdown yeah <laughs> yeah you're yeah. in lockdown they had a big I mean, spike yeah. in, the te- in viewing figures didn't they because a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly but in all fairness as well on a, on a bit of a side note um uh the england team has the potential to be quite exciting you know the young players coming through um i think uh you know Grealish probably got hold of um, Southgate's nudes or something, didn't he? Because he finally got in the team, so he's got something on Southgate, I'm sure, because he, <laughs> yeah. he, did, he didn't want to play him before, did he? He was not having him, and uh, he even said, didn't he, oh, I, I've seen all this stuff on Twitter and online, um, and then he plays, like, two and a half games, so there you go. Um, but, yeah, again, going back to Saka, I think I agree as well. Um, played great, I think. Um, grew into the game massively as well. To come and remember a man in the match award at international level, that's that's pretty special. Um, on your first full game, that's pretty special. Um, and yeah, I think I would agree. Do yeah, I would agree. Maybe the team needs to be made around him, but also think that Arteta won't be doing that simply because he seems to favour the, the the experience and stuff. He doesn't really seem to be at the minute looking long term. Um, but I mean, what a player. And, and even uh, Maitland-Niles as well. Um, seeing him in and around as well. He hasn't played many minutes for Arsenal, but seeing him in and around and, and playing games as well is pretty special. So something exciting, something to look forward to, definitely as, as we go on into Euro 2020, which is 21. 
Great. I, I certainly think there's a, a place for Saka to, you know, there's so many creative players when you look at Grealish and Foden and, you know, the list goes on, trying to break into that England team. But I do think there's a place for Saka to really cement a place as being like the heartbeat of England. I, I, I think I think he's that good. And I think, I think there are people around the Premier League, like fans, that are seeing snapshots of Saka and... Um, being like, he's good, isn't he? You know, and they'll talk to you as mm. an Arsenal and go, that guy's quite good, isn't he? And you're like, yeah, you, you don't have the art, but he's quality. But what we're asking him to do in a team that's not uh, fully coherent, it means that he's not fully shining, and yet we can still see how good he is because he's making the task he's been given. He plays in every position, Swiss Army knife kind of player, and yeah. he's just quality all the time. And, you know, I don't think we should be... When I say build the team around him, I don't think, you know, we should be patting him on the arse going, go and win us the game every week, like, and just expecting him to do it. He's got to be surrounded by experienced players. But if you give him support, I think his talent will start to shine through. He's that kind of player. Mm. And he's the most complete talent in terms of prospect that we've had come through since, what are we talking about? Like Wilshire, I'd say, you know? I mean, it's it's been a long yeah. time. I think he's... He looks very, very good. He's really understated as well, isn't he? Weirdly, when you know you could you look at the sort of um, there's a there's a real sort of like attention grabbing energy that players like like a player like Jack Grealish brings to the side, but like Saka just does everything right. He's considered on the pitch, and he just quietly goes about his business. And I think the 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 next level for him is. I think Arteta's got to land on what he actually wants him to do. Yeah. I think that they're... Because, like, sometimes Arsene Wenger used to get caught up in this thing. When he had Swiss Army Knife players, he never settled on where, you know, I, I kind of felt like um, Oxlade-Chamberlain suffered mm-hmm. because Wenger was like, is he centre midfield? Do we play him on the right, the left? You know, because you know, mm-hmm. he'd be a number 10 and he never really landed a position. And I feel like um, Saka is a brilliant left-back. I mean, that run that he had in the side last year was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. I think he can play on the left wing... Um, I know that they've tried him at number 10 in training and they think that there's potential for him there like um, in the yeah. future. So I think the, the, the future's bright, but it was it was interesting that I almost felt like he was a little bit more decisive in an England setup. Like he kind of knew his job. It was a little bit yeah. uh, simpler. Right? He knew what he was going to do and he, he, like, he, he felt like he was making more positive contributions than he has done for Arsenal. I think the biggest worry that we've got for Saka, like Jack Wilshere, you remember that first season with Jack Wilshere? 56 appearances and it kind of broke him. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we manage his fitness in a season where players seem to be dropping like flies? Yeah. Well, I'm, and I, and I, sorry, Dom, go for it. Go no, for I was it. just going to say, I, I think I um, I agree with that in terms of like this Swiss Army knife type thing. Um, and you'd have to think that Arteta, he has that, that over control, that almost over complicating the game of football. He knows exactly what he wants Saka to do. Um, I guess it's getting him in the team enough to be able to do it because obviously he, he favours having um, tyranny in the team. He favours having, and then in the bigger games, he has, um, I think he's making Niles playing outside him and then he's got kind of Saka doing this inside, outside, a Mesla, whatever it's called, kind of role. Um, and so you'd have to think Arteta kind of has that idea, but maybe he hasn't got the framework around him yet also to kind of implement him into week in week out this is what what you're going to do so um it's interesting isn't it because it's unfortunate that 
his destiny at Arsenal may or may not kind of depend on him. It's a, it's a shame, really. But that, that's largely what happens with all players that come through. You are a victim of your circumstances that you put mm. into. And um, ultimately, the coach that is training you, who's picking the team. I think I think Arteta is most of the way there with Saka, but I'm not fully sure he knows what to do with him completely yet. Um, you know, I certainly don't see his future at left-back. I think that would be a complete waste of a talent. Of I course, agree. he could do it, but it's more a testament to his utility that he can fill in so admirably a left-back. Mm. But you're missing a geezer who... Now, all you need to know when you look at Saka, like sometimes I look at players and, you know, some people might think this is the wrong way to do it, but I get captured in a moment uh, of play that they've done, like a vignette of, uh, of of movement or play that they've done, and that encapsulates their potential. And for me, the, late, the one with Saka was in the Community Shield where that ball was played down the wing to him. And I don't think it was fully um, kind of appreciated how difficult what he did was. Like, it was basically going out of play. His balance was absolutely obscene. He takes it in with one switches it out, and then hits a moonraker across the pitch. It's like, this geezer is the real deal. When I saw that, I'm like... Oh, you're that guy, are you? You are actually that guy. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. not messing around. Like, you know, when we talk about some of the other prospects coming through you, Reese Nelson stuff, they don't have that mode. They don't have and some people might be like, that was just an assist, but it's the class. Some players can't do that. And I haven't seen things that Reese has done or Joe Willock has done that, you know, other players just you you're just not gonna be able to do that. And I think ultimately what actually has happened with um, Saka is they brought Willian in to be his um, kind of mentor. So Saka was going to spread the load between him and Willian and Willian would use him like a deputy and kind of teach him the ropes. The biggest problem with that is Willian is shit and I have had enough of that dude. I don't want to see him in there anymore. So, um, you know, and we don't want to teach Saka to be shit. So, uh, you know, uh, the plan might just, be scuppered at that point. Just on that, what about the, uh, me and you, Pete, actually, we were texting about it, weren't we? The William, the, he went off to Dubai, didn't he? Hanging he, out with Salt Bay. Salt Bay. He's he's season needs some salt. It's bland, isn't he? He needs to <laughs> yeah. sprinkle some of that on his football, man. Like, <laughs> insane that he's gone and done that, isn't it? I mean, you have to believe that the rules are pretty clear. Like, you've got a few days off. I think Go it home. was a bit... I, th- I do feel that it must have been a bit of a, t- a storm in a teacup because the, the Telegraph was like, um, William will have to come back and have a COVID test. And it's like, well, all the players coming back from international duty yeah. are going to have a COVID <laughs> test. That's not... Uh, so I, I, I'd imagine that that was authorised. Um, yeah. If not, a bit concerning that a 32-year-old player on that, you know, with that sort of responsibility is doing that. But there you go. We'll talk about William um, in a section. Just no, before we leave international break, do you think the, the latest outbreak of COVID amongst uh, these international stars, do you think it's about time we sort of gave up the international football in a pandemic or do you just think they're going to do what they always do and look out for themselves? And we've lost Saeed, uh, Saeed Kalasanak and uh, Mo Elneny, who've and, been in and, good uh, form. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to do what they do. I mean, is it, what are we, is it ITV, it's on in England. Um, they've paid for the, the, the games, haven't they? It's the kind of only football they get. They'll throw up a stink. I think it's like 
just money and commercials at, at this point. Um, yeah, and I also think because of the numbers of people who um, aren't catching COVID isn't fatal in a healthy um, younger person. Um, I think they'll continue letting them do it. As the same as it is, we're in and out of lockdowns. But um, yeah, I, I think that they're, they're not going to shut that down anytime soon. But Arteta must be pulling his hair out. I mean, I, I would, I would happily do away with the international calendar completely. Agreed. I think it's crap, a it? for um, international tournaments. We'll have a World Cup and a Euros, but that's just done by, as I say, drawing, drawing numbers. Maybe even we could do it like we used to do in a playground where you start picking up teams, that kind of thing, you know, um, yeah. uh, to try and get your seeding sorted out. But no, it's just a, these friendlies are an absolute waste of time. I know players have got to develop, but. Um, and the other thing is, you mentioned about the COVID issue. Granted, you know, the mortality rate might not be so worrying in, in elite athletes of, of that kind of age. But what hasn't really been explored properly is the kind of um, effects that having COVID might have. You know, just because you've had COVID and you haven't died sure. doesn't mean you're going to be running around at full speed. Lung capacity has not been altered. You know, do you have... Um, tired bouts and stuff like that, fever. So there are lots of impacts where, you know, and there's other, I watch um, quite a lot of NFL and there's a a few NFL players that have had it and come back and just not look the same. Cam Newton at at the Patriots looked shocking for a couple of weeks after. So we don't necessarily know, like, you know, Mo Salah's back now with COVID and we don't know whether he might have a month stinking the place up. You know, yeah, true. Fantasy league teams. So we've all got. <laughs> we've all got something on the line. <laughs> so, um, so switching, uh, I, I'm, I am with um, with you both. I, I think international football needs a massive rethink. These kind of complete waste of time games. Uh, I don't think service anybody. Like, I'd love to know what the actual viewing figures are on on, uh, on these games. And also, it's like football like we treat these athletes so poorly and you know when you pay for your season ticket and you go to what you want to see the best team out playing at the highest possible level week in week out and then we send them off into all of these situations like not every international setup has the same level of rigor and like for years since the Wenger days when we were sending Seth Fabregas to go and was it Seth Fabregas that went to play on hard pitches in Argentina and picked up injuries like we've always had problems with this and I just wonder whether they should be like okay there's going to be an international like a, a month off in December and we're going to have one week dedicated to international games and then it's a summer thing but it feels yeah, like yeah, there's, yeah. there's got to be a clash at some point because it's um it's not good that you know I, I don't want Liverpool to have Salah playing for them but I'd rather it was because he was dropped than he's got you know like post-COVID issues yeah absolutely and then also you've got a Bamiyan sleeping on on airport floors and do you guys see all that yeah, it's it's um, so, not 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 good enough. Um, yeah, so, so Gambia went up, uh, to play Gabon, and um, they didn't let them in in the country, and they had to sleep on the, in. Well, I think they got out at like three or four o'clock in the morning, but they had to stay in a, in the airport, um, sleeping on floors and stuff. Yeah, I hope yeah, yeah. hangs back from a lad's holiday from a week in Tenerife, and it's definitely... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh no, he shouldn't be being treated like that, should he? No, no it, exactly. I so, quite like watching yeah. Scotland when they won their game and they qualified, 
and it, the, there was one of the players' phones cut, and there's like 50 bottles of beer on the table. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't feel like Premier League levels of discipline going yeah, on here. Right. Definitely, Wicked yeah. tyranny. Come back all guns um, um, blazing, yeah? Yeah. I feel like Tierney is the, kind of, the kind of geezer who could play pissed. To be fair, I do feel like he's, he he's old school. Like he, yeah. Didn't he play with a broken jaw in in one of the derbies or something? Or he he got his no, he got his jaw broken. He had to go to the hospital to get it wired up. Uh, it was in his kit. He got a cab back and made it in time uh, to celebrate with with the team after they they won with a wired shut jaw uh, and so, on some meds. Uh, so yeah, he 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 will walk through anything to kind of play <laughs> and to be there wouldn't you? right so we're going to switch up topics now now we're going to get on to um some the, the meaty subject of uh the upcoming games and um you know what we think is going on with Mikel Arteta um I actually just want to start on uh, on Mikel Arteta I've kind of broached this on the last few podcasts with different people but I'd love to get your take on um I feel like the, the Arsenal internet blogosphere, whatever you want to call it, is quite an interesting, wonderful, weird um, place. But I feel like um, since we've had gone into like pandemic world, everything is more intense, more vitriolic, um, and uh, like it, it, it very flip floppy. And the worst thing that could happen to any manager right now is going into an international break after losing a game to uh, a, you know a club that you shouldn't have lost the game. I wanted to get your take, your personal take on how you feel Project Arteta is going uh, so far, and you know, like what, what your what your personal feelings are. And it doesn't matter if they are wild; it's a, it's a pandemic. We can all feel these things. Um, for me, I mean. First of all, the, the issue around um, kind of the increased vitriol due to the uh, kind of heightened um, situation that we're all living in, I think is completely true. I think it's the same reasons why we see huge political, you know, upheaval and protests and stuff, because people, when they're put under pressure, want things to change quickly. And, you, you know, you've also got to look at, it will look at the end of the day when you see some of the things going on in the world, you realize that football is certainly not the most important thing, absolutely not even close. But when you do think about football, you also everyone everyone has to look at football and think, what do you want out of it for your team? For me personally, I obviously want obviously maximum success at Arsenal, but ultimately I want the Champions League. I want us to win the Champions League, no matter what, that is what I want before I die. When you start hitting COVID out there, it's like, oh shit, I might die soon. So you better start really making some tracks towards winning that Champions League. Every fit the immediacy around how long you can give uh, situations to play out starts to change. Things start to become more urgent. Um, with regards to Arteta, um, I think it's interesting because obviously, you know, I listened to the pod and. Uh, Pete, you put your name out there quite a while ago about Arteta, real Arteta fanboy. I'm um, sweating, sweating. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> not quite, you, before at the FA Cup, you're like, yeah, come at me, come at me. Now you're like, um, reason to make, please. Okay. <laughs> um, so look, the thing is, is I think that um, when you, I, I, I 
consider Arteta to be someone who's got who's shown himself to have a lot of a, a lot of talent as a young coach. But I certainly am getting through my Arsenal contacts and you know fans that they're starting to lose patience. And there's a few people I've heard who've been you know Arteta out and things like that. More than what I I, I, I was a bit surprised by it. And what I don't want to be necessarily is a kind of you know rolling door club where you're just getting a new manager in all the time. But the issue is for Arteta, he has a real situation to deal with. And that is that regardless of the fact that we won the cup, and that has to count for something in terms of gaining patience, we have played shit for a long time. And there is nowhere to hide around that. If you really look at it, like some of those things that we were doing, like last season, we were just giving him passes because of the situation he come into and then he ended so wonderfully. But the reality is you've had a long time at this season and we have no coherency going forward. And I think now he needs to hear the alarm bells ringing and he needs to focus quite explicitly on getting our attacking coherency going because I think most Arsenal fans may have been appeased a little with Arteta thinking that we were going to get a baby Guardiola, you know. But the reality is, is, We've got a baby, you know, Matt always says about baby George Graham, you know, like we're defensively solid, but we have to get that attacking coherency now. Otherwise, I think you're going to see more fans switch off. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we talk about, we gave him some time because of the situation he came in, but the situation he came in was pretty fucked, wasn't it? Like, it wasn't just... Oh, uh, well, it was a bit of turmoil. It was like the worst season in 40 years or something at the beginning. He's coming in December, blah, 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 global pandemic hits. Then he gets them back and it's socially distanced training, whatever that is. And then it's only like five people at a time. And so, yeah, he's had a... I, I just wonder, right, if he would have had a full uh, pre-season tours off to America go shake hands with NFL players and all the rest of it, a couple of days training away in the Texas heat or whatever, would would we be in the same position? Pro- probably not. Um, and uh, you're completely right. You know, we thought we were getting fucking Pep 2.0. Younger, he's got his own ideas, he's mixing it in. And to be honest, we, we might have. But I also look at this as well. He has become manager, which I think is a mistake I've kind of got to say um I think I mean maybe we'll come on to this but it doesn't really say much about Edu it doesn't really say much about Vinay um cool if Arteta has loads of ideas that a manager like they should be vetted understood and then implemented by the club he shouldn't be the person that's like in in the role um and I wonder if that's come with more pressure because to me just some pure um I don't know the facts of it it'd be good to kind of see this before he was made manager, or before that was in the talks, and it must have been in the talks, but like a bit before it's come out, it seemed like to me he was giving the younger guys a bit of a go and he was living up to that name of coach. He was trying out things. He was playing people. Uh, didn't he play Reese Nelson against um, um, Liverpool when uh, Van Dijk was making those mistakes, right? And he was kind of doing bits and pieces like that. And you kind of thought, okay, well, I can see the future in the club. Then he gets made manager and maybe that's more pressure and obviously the whole COVID stuff and that money's a problem and we need to, we need the Champions League this year. Otherwise, you know, the party money and all this kind of stuff is is, is looking a bit dubious. Um, 
and then he starts to go in a bit of a different direction. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of circumstances around him. And I just really hope that he can figure it out because I think it will be good for Arsenal as a whole if he can figure it out, be reassured with some time. Um, and, yeah, we just remember that where he picked it up was pretty shit. So. Um, can I just say, Pete, just, just to jump back in on that point? Like, yeah. I think one of the things that you and a lot of other people who were cheering for Arteta in terms of as a potential candidate before, um, and, you know, to some extent have been proved right, even though we're at a difficult period, is that Arteta had to be a new coach with the ability to innovate and the ability to self-reflect and change and adapt. What we had before under Wenger was a coach who was so instilled in his own practices and beliefs that he no longer could see the wood from the trees and, and couldn't think outside of the box that he had uh, painted himself into. With Arteta, the way that his kind of coaching naivety, you know, his early days, it, it can be a, a gift for him, is he's not tied his horse to any, you know, post yet. Like, but what, what he has to do at this point, because this, make no bones about it, this is a difficult period for him. If mm. this was to start going, you know, the wrong way, things could get on top of him very quickly. And, you know, you look at the start of the season, it's not been a good start to the season. But what he has to be able to do is look at it and say, I can change this completely. I can, you know, I don't need to play this formation and I can change different players. But, you know, what I don't also want to see is... I know how we can save it. Let's give Mustafi another go. You know, that, that those are the kinds of decisions that when you're having a difficult time, will switch fans off because yeah. they don't mind. It's like, it's like with a player where they go, I don't mind if he doesn't score a goal as long as he's trying hard, you know. And for the fans with a manager, it's like, I don't mind if we don't always win games as long as you're not making obscene decisions that cost us. And that, I think, has to be taken on board. I think the I think you make I think the point that you've made really well there for me is that Arteta needs to understand that being a good coach and a good manager is just as much about hearts hearts and minds um, as it is about what how you execute on the pitch. Like I think he's so technical, um, almost like fact based, right? And I I think that this is I think this is the biggest the biggest problem of his tenure so far for me has been his. Uh, absolute faith that seniority will eventually pay off for him I think yeah. the I think if you look at his worst mistakes um Lacazette shouldn't have stayed this summer he should he should have looked at Arsenal's last five years of senior signings and said given a 32 year old from Chelsea on paper probably isn't the sharpest idea especially at that sort of level um of, of contract and I think the the biggest miss really from a sort of fan love perspective is, you know, the best managers make difficult decisions, but they make a difficult decision and they show you the light. And I think that he made a really big decision on Meza Ozil and I, I get the decision, but if you're going to chop out the most creative player in our team, there has to be, uh, there has to be an interim solution where you're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's actually not so bad. Averaging eight point two shots a game after eight games is is, is not that and mm. like my hope would have been and I know that we've seen it so many times before but my hope would have been to say look Mesut 
you need a contract at the end of this year. Currently, you are seen as a bum. Uh, mm. Doesn't want to play, wants to play in his computer games. Let's work together and let's see if we can make this last season happen. I'll give you gay time, clear the slate, and let's see what you could do because surely it's got to be better than what we're seeing at the moment. But I, but I, I do think that um, he has got a few things on his side. And firstly, I think that he does have a, a lot of interesting tools at his arsenal, you know, at his disposal now that he didn't have before. Um, I think he's got some easy fixes. The the like you say, John, the that would w- make the fans happy. Aubameyang is a fox in the box, right? He's good. If and if you if you switch Aubameyang for Lacazette um, against Leicester, against Manchester City, maybe even against Liverpool, and the big chances that fell to Lacazette fall to yeah. Aubameyang, I don't think we're six points away from first. You know, maybe no, we're yeah. four. And I think that the the only good thing about this shitty period of games is we've come through a tough... Like, you look at Spurs, they're playing like Brighton away. Like, we've had a rough run of games and that will flip on its head. But we've had a rough run of games. We've been shit, but we're only six points off. So, and form can be temporary. Our Arsenal fans have got this sort of Arsene Wenger notion that the, the form is going to be permanent, that, you know, Unai mm. Emery flashes of when it went bad in January and it went bad for the rest of the season. So if he does turn it around in these next three games and we win, or even if we win two, we beat Spurs and we beat Leeds United, then all of a sudden it's looking positive again and we're not feeling quite as terrible. But I do think that you are right. Like there needs to be some acknowledgement that this isn't good. You know, even if underlying statistics like defense, like defensive improvements, like we've all wanted to see them for years, but we didn't want to see them at the expense of anything exciting, right? Yeah, be careful what you wish for. It's like the, the old trick in, in the movies. You wished for defense, well, we take away something. Um, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, and to the Ozil point as well, again, it's like you take out um, your most creative player. So, you know, one would think, and I'm not a coach anywhere near Arteta's level, but, and I always think that, you know, they know more than we do, but you'd think, okay, well, we're going to start pressing teams to high hell. We're going to press, we're going to be at you. We're going to run. And then your excuse is Ozil doesn't quite do that. He's got an attitude problem anyway. And uh, the best pressing, uh, I think Klopp said it, um, pressing is like better than in the world's best number 10. You press, you win the ball high up, you've got an easy square pass or forward pass and and you're in. And so taking Ozil out of that situation um, means, you you know, there's goals galore, or you'd hope. Um, But then I guess, yeah, He's gone positional play and he's everyone's standing in, in zones and not coming out of the zones. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame, but I must go back to, I do think Arteta will turn it around um, to your point. I think Pete, uh, oh, no, actually Johnny, you were saying he hasn't like kind of nailed his horse to the post yet. Um, and I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that's the, the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the key word, if you look at the, first of all, straight away, the thing to improve on is intensity. The intensity of Arsenal in the last few games has been so dreadful. It's just Except for against United. United was like, oh, absolutely, you can do it. Great. Oh, this is great. But also, you know, you look at that, that was a game, party's first start, you know, and he, he set the tempo completely. And it's worrying if you have a situation where your new signing 
you can't play without him, you know, after three games. I mean, that's crazy. So we've got to be able, because we know we can do, we can, we can press higher with that. We, we used to do it. But this is what's frustrated me with Arsenal for so long. Wenger used to do it. You know, we'd start off the season pressing and then after a few games, it just goes away. Then it comes back. Like, the thing about Man City, they always press. Jurgen Klopp's teams always press. It's, it's not a, oh, we'll do it for a couple of days and then, you know, we'll g- give it up. Like, if you're not going to do it all the time, then don't do it at all. And either way, the intensity has to be there. But for me, I feel like, you know, I don't necessarily mind the Ozil situation if we are coming up with suitable... Like, if you're saying that Ozil's not a good player for pressing, that's fine. But you need the right players in and in the right formation to help us uh, win the ball higher and attack. For me... Because I can't, we're kind of getting onto it. I would like to see a four-two-three-one now. That's what I want to be seeing. Sorry, I've lied to you. A four-two. Um, what, what was that? Oh, four-three-one-two. There we go. Four-three-one-two. And what I want is I want party. You know, it's not necessarily my choice, but I know Shaka's been in there. But either an El Nenny character or a Shaka in there, and then a Danny Ceballos, then Saka in behind the front two of Pepe and um, Aubameyang, and let's give it a go. We, we need to start playing the front two properly. I think a lot of people, have, at the very least, want to see how that would look. Mm. I think Saka in behind, you know, it's well worth giving that a go at the moment. And then we've got enough defensive solidity. If we have that free in midfield with Party, who's more than just, you know, some Claude McAlealy character. He's actually very dynamic. Um, mm. and he's a ball carrier if he needs to be so I think that would be an interesting way for us to line up uh, in these upcoming games Don, we've got Leeds at the weekend how uh, like knowing the players that we have and we don't have there is going to be like it's it's so frustrating because I feel like Mo Elneny was um, making strides uh, next to Thomas Partey but what's the um, like, like how, are you, how are you getting more out of the, the the front three or two or you know how would you set up yeah, it's interesting against Leeds. Uh, just touching your Mo and any point, he's so efficient. Um, he never really loses the ball. He kind of gets it in. It's quite simple. Some people don't like it. But I would say against Leeds, where everything is man-to-man, vertical, verticality, high-pressing, intense, um, they've, got a, <laughs> they've got a session that they do on a Wednesday, apparently, called Murder Ball, where they just go around. It's like... Um, five sets of six minutes and they just go around kicking each other basically there's there's no offsides coaches are playing the ball in if it goes out a coach is rolling another one in um smaller pitches and it's just hell for leather um so you know that bielsa style of just um what they call him el loco so you know that 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 kind of football <laughs> so, uh, so session uh, of murder ball my word yeah yeah yeah, yeah. in intense no offsides no fouls and go um, uh, and so um, and then he kind of you would think in my mind anyway thrives in that situation um, he's quite simple he always finds his path he, he's got lots of energy so when his man is running in ragged in, in that man-to-man system you'd think he could outrun um, or out-stamina most people so that, that would be a miss um, but I think I, I, again you know we, when we played them Back in the cup, in the FA Cup last year, um, they they should have beat us. They hit the post really early on twice, I think. 
Um, I think um, Holding was just back from injury. Um, and you could hear on the television cameras the likes of Calvin Phillips shouting, let, let, let Holding have it, let Rob have it. So they could press him <laughs> to high hell. Like, honestly, like, they're not a silly bunch. So, um, yeah, you're probably looking, um, you're looking at kind of, again, maybe your more experienced players. I think that's what Arteta will go for. Me personally, it might be a, a, a game for a few younger heads in there, just for the, the energy and the exuberance and the, um, and the passion that they'll show. Um, and in terms of what you're saying, Johnny, with the with the lineup, I think you know something like that could work really well. I think if you play in two up front uh, and you kind of split them, it could maybe pin back. Is it Alioski and Ailing on the other side? Ailing, he used to play for Arsenal as well, didn't he? Um, he could maybe pin them back if you're wide enough, and so that stops a threat. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one because Leeds kind of don't play too many rules. Mm. Um, and, you know, you look at City, you tried to, uh, Pep tried to, you know, positional play and we're going to stick this person here and we're going to play, you know, um, uh, uh, whoever, you know, KDB, Kevin De Bruyne in, a, in this hole and that hole. And they actually don't give a fuck. They'll run and press and hound. And that game ended, was it 2-2 that game ended? Um, but the last 20 minutes was descended into absolute chaos. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a hard one. The murderable, exactly. <laughs> the last ten minutes was murderable. So it's it's hard, it's hard to tell when you maybe try and do too much second guessing, uh, too much tactical stuff with it with Leeds team, and um, it doesn't quite work out. And then you look at Leicester, who kind of plays them their game a bit. Yeah, deep block, come on to us, and launch kind of kept it simple, basic tactics, ended up smashing them. I, I kind um, of think that the problem is going to be that we're going to see a lineup and we're going to go for fuck's sake this just feels like the same but it's like yeah. cuz the mo- the game that you that you least want when you've got a team that isn't attacking or confident going forward is Leeds because mm. you, you, you if you go at them they're just going to rip you apart at the back absolutely but I, I I Dom I do think that your point about young players is key here you can't have Granit Xhaka playing against yeah. Leeds he's going to no, you know, it'd be a massacre um, yeah. So maybe maybe this is a game where you say Joe Willock um, because he can run with the ball, um, he can break at speed, he can create and score goals, and you know mm. he's, he's in a bit of yeah. a purple patch at the moment. And um, I, I I want you know Nicholas Pepe he played under Bielsa when he was at Leeds, uh, if I remember correctly. But it, it would be um, at, at Leo, at, yeah. at, at Leo, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. that he's signed him. Um, but it, it, it is going to be interesting to see how Arteta approaches it. My gut says that he doesn't really rate Pepe and that he would never have signed him. And the question is, like, does he continue the Willian experiment? You know, he's invested a lot in him. We know that there is a quality player there and we've seen the level in England. I don't think we've seen the level with Pepe. But in fairness, he puts him so far out wide and he's not really suited to that. And I feel like Pepe is one of the few players that we have. Like, Aubameyang's not really good with the ball at his feet in tight situations. Like he's a good finisher. Mm. And you wonder if like bringing Pepe and like giving someone Aubameyang to play with uh, at close quarters. Like I feel like Aubameyang hasn't had that because we've obviously put him out on the left. But yeah, maybe two, maybe two up front. Um, but I, I think that he might go with, um, I think that he might go with Ceballos, Partey, Willock. And then I think that he'll probably try Saka and Willian 
with Aubameyang in the middle. But I think the the non-negotiable for the fans is going to be Aubameyang through the middle, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is you've said, you said a few things there, but ultimately... Arteta loves Xhaka. He loves him. He he, he loves to, he loves this geezer. I think he looks at Xhaka as being Arteta part two. You know, not loads of pace and uh, and decent enough passing through the lines. And the reality is, is as you said rightfully so, this is the worst team or one of the worst teams that Xhaka could line up against because they just run past him. So. I don't mind if you know when I said I think Xhaka might start. It's not my choice, but. In light of Elneny not being there, um, I probably would plump plump for a Willock and have the and, and go for the energy. Um, but I don't. But I think the um, you know non-negotiable, like you say, Obama Yang through the middle. But that you know it perhaps implies. But to be explicit, Lacazette can't be on that field. He can't be out. There can't be switching positions there. Lacazette needs to out, and he needs some a few games on the bench minimum. And you've also, for me, I, I don't see what William is bringing to the team. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's even close. Even you say like, you know, we know he's a quality player. Like things move on, time changes. You know, last season he was decent, but one of the things that Arsenal fans know more than any other team, or probably not any other team, maybe that it's all relative, but we know how important mentality is in a player. It's not just about the fact because if you look at Nicholas Pepe. He's a class act. Like he has shown, if you got his Arsenal highlight reel and put up a 90-second video, you go, the guy's world class. There's no question. Mm. He's curling things in. But in big games, you've gone hiding again, mate. You're in people's pocket. Willie Ann has shown what we we, in my opinion, bought him for was his mentality. He is a league winner, he's a cup winner, and we needed him to show. Uh, Saka the ropes in terms of how you approach games, you play big games. We've seen him this year, it's been absolutely toilet, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that mentality is at the right level anymore. Maybe he's in retirement plan, retirement mode at Arsenal. So it's not about, you know, his greatest hits, whether he was a good player. At the moment, on current evidence, he is turgid and, and he needs getting rid of, like, at the team until, you know, something changes. Yeah, it's um, it's, it seemed. I mean, like, let's be honest as well. It didn't feel like a good signing when we made it, right? It felt like no. you know, it felt like an IKEA signing again. It felt like that was the sort of <laughs> the last move. But I, but it, it's it's interesting. It's like the Nicolas Pepe has got such a like. There's so much hope because he's got that um, you know, he he's got that Carnu magic. You know, like mm. the the technique doesn't quite look right but just wildly unpredictable someone um sh- i think matt shared the Kanu goal that he scored when you remember when he ran past uh the oh, deportivo goalkeeper and pretended to shoot and the oh, goalkeeper okay. died yeah it's like yeah. i feel like pepe's got this sort of like really unorthodox but it, like explosive side to his game where you, uh, and we don't really have players like that obamiang's not really unpredictable he's just clinical um, and if you could get some of that unpredictability working and maybe it's through the middle, I just, I think the biggest worry with him though, is it's like, he's, um, he's not very physical. And when he gets battered um, around, that's when he hides and he steps mm. back. And it's like, if you, it, but maybe I, I, like, 
And then do we get into this situation where Arsenal fans are like, like it's like Unai Emery. We were like, Unai, you're going to put Ramsey and Meza Ozil back in the team. And then he was like, I'm not doing it. And then we, you know, we started unfurling banners at the stadium and then he gave up. He lost all credibility in the squad and then it went to shit for him. And he, ne- he never recovered from bringing Meza Ozil and Aaron Ramsey back into the side because he lost all of his authority. Um, d- but there's got to be a hearts and minds somewhere, right? Because the the, op- the what's, what he's giving us now with Lacazette, Willian and Aubameyang is unbelievably bad. I mean, that's like 800,000 a yeah. week worth of talent and, that's not working. And I also think Arteta, it works both ways. Arteta risks losing the team if he doesn't give Pepe a go and he doesn't give Nketiah a go and he doesn't do all of this stuff. Because at the beginning, it was non-negotiable, do these things, play well, you deserve to be in a team, then great. If you don't do well, if you did it there, you'll sit out the team. That was his big pitch at the beginning, right? Willian's been toilet, as you, as, you, as we said. Um, Lacazette's been worse. So... Even Why Leno. The- even Leno, let's be honest. Even Leno. Leno, Leno right? Like, Doesn't have so that aura the- that Martinez has. No, t- no way. It looks like the wrong decision all day, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks um, like the wrong keeper at the moment. There, there can't really be any... You know, I don't really know any Arsenal fans that would see any differently. Um, and I do exactly. understand what you're saying about the Ozil situation. Like, you know, it's. T- I, I personally... The thing is, is in terms of players who have been banned or exiled, should we say, um, and potentially making their return, I see less upside for Ozil potentially coming back as I do Gwendouzi, because at least Gwendouzi could have a future at Arsenal. Ozil, realistically, has got six months if it goes well, because what's he going to sign for after that? You know, And we know that his character is too temperamental to trust him for the next two years or so. So I do think that kind of, you know, the horse is bolted with Ozil now. Um, and I think that he needs to look at the players he's got and find a system to get the best out of him. Like even Pepe, when you say he's a bit lightweight, I do agree. But I think it's the, he's the kind of guy where if he started up front not to cut the goals, if he had that confidence, I reckon he'd start standing up to it. I, d- I don't see him as a complete meek child. Like, he's, I don't think he's like that. I just think that he's not... He's not tasty enough yet, but I think he could grow into it. You know, I, I really do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Arteta needs to go back to his, his non-negotiables, go back to his um, picking people on merit. And then on the flip side, dropping people on the same merit. If you do shit, you're out the team too. Um, and give him what's in the next, in these next couple of games, what's the harm in making, saying to Pepe, look, mate, you're going to start against Leeds, Wolves and, and Spurs, you're going to start. That's what I'm telling you now. It's up to you. Yeah. And, and seeing what happens, it can't be worse than what Willian's doing. So, you know, I'm, I'm a bit confused with that one. You say that, it's about giving that player the trust and the ability to know, oh, if I have a stinker, I'm not going to be out of the team tomorrow. It's I'm getting a run of games here, but I don't necessarily think it's Willian out of the team. Obviously, you say Lacquer's out of the team. He's, he's stinking up the place. Now it's time for Pepe Le Pew to create his own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it is um, it is a really a really unique talent. That goal that uh, I can't remember the team he scored it against um, where, was was the team where he, he ran and he he hit the ball low at full speed. Uh, Sheffield. 
like a stunning piece of technique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, and yeah. It, like that, that was um, um, uh, Nicholas Anelka um, used to be the master of the the low shot across goal, mm. and um, you know the the sign of a great manager or a great Arsenal coach for me is being able to convert people from positions to do things that you didn't expect. And we haven't really, you know, we've seen Unai Emery try it with Torreira, but we haven't seen a, we haven't seen a good conversion in a while. And I, I would like Pepe is a striker. I don't, it, it, it's not as insane as it sounds. No, no, right. Not at all. I think, I think it's an open goal at the moment. You've got a striker, a striker who's having a mare, and you've got another one who has all of the attributes to... See, the thing is, is the Premier League re- re- rewards pace. You know, we you can look at Jamie Vardy and people like that, and I know there's a lot more to his game, but ultimately, he's a very quick striker with a powerful shot. Pepe mm. does tick those boxes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's got a bit of finesse. Now, for me, another part of um, what got me excited about Pepe was like one of his first games away at Anfield. And I mean, this guy ran Virgil van Dijk and they were like, this hasn't been done in like two years. And he ran it. Yeah. And you could see van Dijk looking around like, oh shit, this guy, yeah. this guy is roasting me. Like, yeah, yeah. that is your ceiling. What, what you want with some of these guys is let's get people with high ceilings because then, for me, that's where Arteta will live or die. Because if you can't get that out of him, but but the whole point is you can't, Avoid the situation by not giving it a chance because ultimately you'll have, you'll end up with a slow death where we have turgid yeah. football over a prolonged period. And you then I just like that a chance and then coach it out of him to be a top player. And I think that this is the right setup to go four four two. Pepe doesn't feel too isolated and uh, linged on because he's with Aubameyang, our talisman, and see if they can get something going together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like it. And I think, I just wonder again, though, from Arteta's point of view, knowing he's like super technical and uh, knowing a little bit that I know about coaching principles and stuff. Obviously, we attack now in these five channels across the top of the pitch. Um, and I think he would probably say that Pepe fits in that right half space. Um, so if he's up top, he's kind of operating in that zone and not in the centre zone. Uh, but then you've got um, Bellerin, who likes to kind of drift into that same half space now from the right back position. Um, and then I guess outside of him, you might have a Willian. And so from a technical coaching point of view, I wonder if then Arteta will look at that and goes, well, right, I've got now three players operating more or less in the same half space. Um, and as the theory would go, you're not meant to have three players on the same horizontal line because um, it's too easy to mark. So I just wonder, again, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I'm trying to put myself in Arteta's shoes and he wants the perfect kind of shape and form and stuff. So I just wonder I just if that does happen, how it works around him again. Um, on that though, Dom, m- m- the reason why, again, I've, uh, I've kind of into this way of thinking, and I appreciate your points that you've made there, but one of the things we've not lacked is width. For a while, ever I mean, Emery really started introducing it, but the way that we are using utilising our wing-backs, we've always got people going very wide, and so yeah. much it gets very bunched out there, and that's what slows our attacks down a lot of the time, because mm. people like Pepe, they're rarely driving to the byline anyway, so they kind of hold the ball up, and then wait for an overlap of Tierney or Bellerin, 
when the reality is we've got willing um, fullbacks, and even if we play this 4-3-1-2 situation, then with that three, you have the compatibility where a midfielder can always drop in to account for Tierney, who is fantastic mm-hmm. going forward, and will go to the byline, whip dangerous balls in. Bellerin looks like he's reinvented himself and looks hungry again, so he can do it on the other side, and or Maitland-Niles. And then you take Pepe out of that, because I don't think that Pepe playing in the wing position out of that front three currently, he he clogs it up when you've got a winger going outside him. Because all he wants to mm. do is Danny, either go in and smash it around there. So if you play him centrally and he's either making those, you know, last man runs and or getting those kinds of one-twos or triangles around him and Saka, mm. I think that's how you get the best out of him to break the defences and be in the box for balls getting whipped across from fullbacks. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been interesting in it to see Pepe play the false nine role when we played against City. That would have been that would have been better than than a Willian seeing him centrally dropping off. Um yeah, I just think I, I, I completely agree with you saying. I just think from the textbook, which Arteta seems to like really like that left-footed player and left-footed passes and how he opens and closes the pitch up and stuff. I would love to just see him go, do it, be free. You know, some coaches that I've worked with at Leighton Orient um, before lockdown always say, like, the last third is your third. The two thirds before, our third, middle third, will work, we'll do all this stuff. The last third, boys, is your third. Do, you know, do what you want with it. You'll coach a few things, but... It's not so rigid, whereas Arteta doesn't believe in that. Um, so I just wonder how that looks in reality. But he needs, like, he needs a bit of that mentality. I think that that's the problem. He overcoaches in the final exactly. third, and he overcoaches it into nothing. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're, uh, I, I, I think that he said that one of, you know, one of the sort of principles, not principles, but one of the sort of philosophies that he has. You know, he wants to be unpredictable, and he's so painfully predictable. Yeah. Now. And, and, um, you know, we've kind of been found out. We've got one or two sort of like NFL style attack plays. And if they don't work, we've got nothing. And I'm hoping that maybe he does bring something a little bit unpredictable because I, I, I saw this piece about Bielsa. Bielsa was making uh, his Leeds attackers um, press Martinez from the left so he'd be forced to play out on the right and he was bad at playing out on the right and Martinez one of the best goalkeeping uh, goalkeepers in the premiership for passing he you know, went from like 90% pass completion rate to under 50 and you're like mm-hmm. what what is he's going to be looking at Arsenal at the moment going he's going to have a field day <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, mate. like there are so yeah, many yeah. things that you know like Leno's bad with his feet I mean it's going to be it could it could be a disaster but it could also there are um, tipping point moments in managerial careers, right? Go back to 97, 98, Arsenal lost four games in six. Uh, Admittedly, we had a lot better team, but we were in crisis and they had that big meeting in the dressing room and then things picked up. I don't know whether we can have that sort of run, but January before lockdown, we were were unbeaten. We were looking Mm. good. Admittedly, we had Ozil on the side, but I think the thing that I want to see is Arteta take a chance with imperfect solutions. We're not Manchester yeah. City and Johnny, like you were saying about um, players with high ceilings. Willock might not be there at the moment and he might make mistakes, but you know what? He gives us something different. Um, Nicolas Pepe as part of a, a two strikers. 
it might not work straight away, but at least you can see light at the end of the tunnel. Like maybe he gives he gives Smith Rowe or he brings that Moller kid that looks like yeah. Olivier Giroud. Like he's got to try something because I, I agree. Like I w- go out with a bang rather than go out with like you know fine margins against Sheffield United all season because that's that's not the Arsenal way, right? But this exactly. is the key though as well. When, with regards to, you know, this encapsulates the Arteta issue as we sit here right now. So when you talk about the fact that when he came in, he brought unpredictability with him. Well, did he? Because this is the question. Because ultimately, what we saw as unpredictability was the fact that he made us more defensively sound. So that was unpredictable to our rivals because they were <laughs> away from us. And they're like, who are these Arsenal boys? Wow, this is crazy. And then now people have gone, oh, right, actually, after six months, Arsenal might actually be defensively solid and we have to show something else because otherwise Arteta's not unpredictable. He's actually very predictable at just mm-hmm. doing what he did at the, at the start, which was initially a surprise. So I think, you know, the battle for Arteta the battle for Arteta's, you know, current legacy is really there and he has to show more than one way of doing things. And yeah, imperfect solutions, that's that's going to be fine with me and I think a lot of Arsenal fans because we know what we've got, but what we can't do is just keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Exactly. Um, so we've got, we'll head into the, the last little bit. Are you guys okay for a couple of minutes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good, good. So, um, Getting back onto um, weird Arsenal Twitter, obviously David Ornstein has been retired today by Danny Ceballos, but there is a new saviour mm-hmm. on the horizon, and uh, it's the Arsenal Bell. So, yeah, um, brother, brother Bell, brother Bell, everyone yeah. thought that he was uh, peddling nonsense about Thomas Partey, but he got that nailed on. It's the weirdest thing going. Uh, he tweets in Arabic. He's got a blog in Arabic now. Um, he seems to think that Arsenal were going to move for uh, for players in January. Um, I wanted to get your take on um, on where you think we should be looking. Do you like the look of the Hungarian kid, uh, Sobolaze? Or Sobolaze? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, don't quote me on that name. Trust me. <laughs> so, that sounds better than Soblazai. Yeah. yeah. So, so, we got... so, so has, has Brother Bell now said, is it, we're after him, it's official. I, I did see the tweet, uh, something about the file. He said the file of the player or something. That's what was really he, what was he? who are. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they've got um, Jesse, Jesse Marsh, has said that he doesn't expect uh, his playmaker to be there by the end of January. We know there's like a 25 million euro buyout clause. It doesn't seem like um, Awa is having a good time at Lyon um, at the moment. Like where, like where do you, where would you guys want to bolster in, in January? What do you, do do you see the priority as, as one player? And then there's the other rumor of Christian Eriksen. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, not something to happen, let's face it. Um, so I think um, Dominic Schrozerby, uh, <laughs> no, sorry, mate. <laughs> um, I think that um, 
has more potential for actually coming to fruition because even in the summer transfer window, I was always more confident of getting the party deal done, even though it looked like it wasn't getting done, because Arsenal likes to deal with definites. And the fact is, is there's a buyout clause and they know it's not going to be an agent going, oh, whack another 20 mil on there for us, which, you know, we, we've shown that we ain't best negotiators. So remove that out of it and Arsenal get interested. So this kid's got a, I think it what is it, 25 million buyout? That that that's good money for a player who looks, you know, very tasty and has a lot of interest. So I think that, you know, that Arsenal are not going to be wanting to go into negotiating deals with who are in a in a way that we couldn't even get the deal done in the summer when we had a whole summer to get it done. But with this guy, when we can just go in and go, there's your cash, come with us. Or do it like party and just lodge it with the league. Don't even tell the club. <laughs> <laughs> He's on an easy jet already. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think um, he would be more likely slash, I think, quite possible that that will be happening, which would be good. Yeah, I I think that's a good sign and good deal to do. What I, I think I said it to you before, Pete. What I really like is... He's kind of come into everyone's consciousness maybe just since the summer. Um, I've kind of seen him around a bit, you know, a bit of YouTube and all that kind of stuff. I actually watched Salzburg play PSG, was it, in the last round of the, of the champion, the last round of fixtures in the Champions League? Um, but they, they played incredibly well. Um, uh, but it looks as though that's our man. Um, I just wonder, you made a good point before, Johnny, that when um, uh, Gwendouzi comes back, if he comes back and he stays, which, you know, if he sorts his attitude out or whatever, might be a, a thing, where does he play? Is he, is he that kind of player? Am I overthinking it? Was that kind of the guy he was? Maybe he wasn't. I remember him doing some nice kind of through balls for Aubameyang goals in, in the Tottenham game and stuff like that. He... he he seems like that kind of player. So, you know, I think if he comes into the fold, um, this is a buy. Dominic, I, 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 Dom, the other Dom. <laughs> I don't what, think... How does I that work? When Doozy and uh, Dominic are playing for the same position, I my reading would be that yeah. Slozabai is uh, an Urzel replacement. Gwen Doozy was always and should always have been treated as a, a Xhaka replacement. Because they're very mm. similar players, but um, that's how I would have taken it. Interesting, yeah, yeah. So I just, I just kind of clearing that up in my own mind, I guess. But um, he looks like a good player, and like I said, he, he he's kind of coming to everyone's consciousness, kind of maybe in the summer. A lot of hype. I'm sure he's getting his agents are getting lots of phone calls and inquiries, and he seems to have just risen that little bit. That goal um, he scored in the last round of international fixtures. For Hungary, oh my man. word! Last yeah. minute. Oh, he's, you know what I like about him? He's um, like, I, I like Hossam Um I think he's a brilliant player and he's obviously going to be a, a, a world-class talent at some point. But he almost feels like that sort of Iniesta style, pull the strings. And I actually think what Arsenal need is just, you need a, a, a Cesc Fabregas style goals and assists merchant. And I love that mm. he's like this all action number eight, like almost mm. like kind of what, you know, what we had in Aaron Ramsey, but you know, he's, mm. he's been trained that the RB way. So he'll be exactly. like ruthlessly disciplined. And um, I, I, it's always a risk picking up players from the Austrian league, 
but um, I think that sort of it's got the uh, like have a sort of Hungarian mentality. Like you read the mm. the stories of him coming through playing. They they made them play um, junior football with like golf balls in their hands, so they couldn't uh, grab onto yeah. people's shirts. Um, right. And <laughs> I, I, I love I love I love the. Um, I want some of that that Eastern European mentality in the in the Arsenal score, kind of like what Kalasanak is like in the you know when there's someone pulls up yeah. his Mercedes <laughs> Shanks, and yeah. um <laughs> and also that magic. I mean, like the the free kicks that he scores. Apparently, he will stay after training and hit two hundred free kicks a day, like Jesus. two two hundred free kicks. So he's and he spent the lockdown working with an Olympic coach to build himself up so that he was uh, uh, more physically ready, hopefully for the, for the Premier League. So Premier League. he's got a great attitude. He's doing it at international level. He's doing it at the Champions League level. He's yeah. 19 years old. I mean, like the, the upside to a player yeah. like that for me is uh, like, we need to have a player that sells for a hundred million. And I yeah. feel like yeah. Yeah. we might have I, three I, now, right? Gabriel yeah. could be a hundred million centre-back. Uh, Martinelli... Yeah could be yeah. a hundred million pound striker and you sign him and then you start to get the correct profile of player at the club versus Christian Eriksen. Or exactly. Jorginho. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it feels more, I mean, a, a while looks great, but it feels more like a signing that Arsenal should be doing. The, the, the Dominic Slezabai one. It feels more like there's upside. He's young. We're plucking him out of like, uh, 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 you know, pretty a good team, but a pretty crap league. Um, it feels almost like Wenger esque. Maybe we're all romanticizing that a little bit. That kind of our history with that kind of thing. And then, like you say, the upside is tremendous. You're, you're forward looking. It's not a signing for next season. It's a signing for three seasons, two seasons maybe. Um, and immediately, like you say, with that signing, with maybe Saliba coming into the team next year where Martinelli coming back, the whole squad plus your Sackers, plus your, it, it starts now to go, Oh, right. Okay. It's young. It's vibrant. Maybe we can do some unpredictable things. Um, it just feels a lot more exciting. Um, whereas a Yeah. Like you say, I mean, again, great signing, but it feels like he's definitely coming to Arsenal as a stepping stone before, you know, Real Madrid come knocking or, or something like that. I, I, I do, I do just, just finally on, on that. I, I think, first of all, with Dominic Schreiserby, um <laughs> say it with confidence and people will believe you. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, you know, Arsenal are in a position where we can't afford to not take punts on players that have this kind of profile at this stage because at the end of the day, to get players who are a step up from him, they won't come to us. We're not mm. at the right stage for their development. So we have to get him at this stage where we are an attractive option because in a, if you give it a year, he's going to be going to a team that is doing a lot better than we currently are. The other thing is what Arsenal fans need to do is stop thinking that we're going to sign players and they're suddenly going to make us magic. We are not a player away from being good. We are yeah. a system away from being good and we haven't shown that our system works properly because apart from when you see, like, you know, it's not erroneous errors that are costing us every week. Of course, Lacazette missing a few sitters is, is not helping matters, but it's not like we're 
you know, having 20 shots on goal and missing all these shots. So it's ultimately, we're not creating anything. And yeah, some better players could help us create more. But if we've got a system that's stifling people, we're just going to have another kid. And when I didn't realise he was 19, I thought he was slightly older. When you get players at that level of um, uh, their career where they're still uh, formalising who they are going to be, they're not strong enough and robust enough to essentially tell a coach, you know, F off, mate, I'm going to do it my way a little bit, which you don't have to do what the coach is going to do. But, you know, the bigger players have a bit more sway. Um, then in a, in a team that are struggling to find their identity going forward, you're going to still have issues despite having a, a young, talented prospect coming in through the ranks. Yeah, we're definitely not one creative player from cracking this. You know, we're, we're, we need two or three players like that. I think um, signing him, he would be considered kind of a marquee young player for us. But I do think that, um, you know, maybe we should be looking at, you know, one of the creative players from Norwich as well. But I feel like there needs to be supplemental players coming in. And I actually think that the club is quite excited about some of the young kids that are not going to crack the Premier League uh, 18, 19 in those positions. Like um, Smith Rowe looks like mm. an incredible talent, but like his body doesn't seem to be, doesn't even manage to get him on the bench at the moment. So mm. I, I agree with you. I think that, I think that this project, and I honestly think if, um, if the club had just been honest about our situation last season and said, look, Mikel Arteta is here for three years. We think he's going to be a good coach, but it's going to take time. And we're going to create a young, exciting player. We're going to, um, and, and we're looking at five years. We want to be in the Champions League in three, and we're going to get rid of a whole bunch of senior players that have let us down. And we're going to get our wage bill in order, but it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be dynamic, but there'll be ups and downs. I think the fans would feel better than this half-baked Champions League strategy where we sign players that are good, but not elite enough to guarantee you top four. And I, I, I think that half the problem is we set expectations with Thomas Party signings, but we, he's a Rolls-Royce player and we don't have Rolls-Royce players around him. And then I think that that affects the mood around Arsenal. So it, it, it's, I think it's a long-term project. I just think Arsenal haven't quite yet admitted where they are, but signing a 19-year-old... And that, that comes to like my point, which I bang on on, on Twitter and stuff all the time. But maybe this is one of the next points, so I don't know if we've got time left or whatever, but Edu really needs to either come out and say that or implement it internally or whatever, because as much as Ed, um, Arteta's the manager and now he's looking at you know medium to long term as well, he needs to win the next game and he wants to win things. Edu needs to be the person who sits down, comes up with that plan, says, no, actually, we're not going to sign Willian. We're going to sign, we're going to make Pepe um, the guy. And actually behind him, we've got Reese Nelson. So there are two players out on that wing. Um, and yes, we're going to sign Sazabai. <coughs> Say it in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to sign him and we're not going to sign Ericsson. Um, you know, we shouldn't even be anywhere near that Ericsson rumour. They shouldn't even, that Arsenal and Ericsson shouldn't even be in the same article. Um, but it's even worrying that we are, um, you know. And so I just feel like 
Edu, if if you're up to much, you will have that plan, that vision, that kind of moving forward and not leave it up to Arteta because ultimately, you know, I think Arteta apparently told Willian he wants to sign him for three years because he wants to win the Champions League in that time. I mean, great, love it. I love the ambition, but probably not going to happen, mate. Not going to happen. So you signing players like uh, experience that are going to you think win us the Champions League in three years' time is probably the wrong strategy because when William comes and goes and we haven't won the Champions League, you are now a failure and you've hung your hat on thirty-two-year-old William. Not, not you know, not the best as you put it earlier, Johnny. Hill to die on. Agree. My rant over. Well, guys, uh, that was a long one. I appreciate you uh, joining for this. Um, we can all leave on the on the on the topic that Mustafi is a, apparently being targeted by Barcelona in January. If <laughs> Ronald Koeman doing us a massive favour there. Um, thank you, uh, Johnny. Uh, it was uh, it was great to to finally get to chat with you. Um, I really enjoyed that, Dom. Great to have you back on as always. Um, Johnny, Thanks, uh, do you want to share your Twitter handle so that people know how to follow you? Yeah, I'm at I Johnny Cochran, J O H double N Y C O C H R A N E. Um, I also uh, kind of off football subjects because um, I'm sure you have loads of. Uh, fathers that listen to your podcast and um, I run a fatherhood podcast called the How's Your Father podcast. Um, Pretty easy to find. It's where you get your normal podcasts. Um, We have loads of different guests on talking about all aspects of fatherhood. Russell Kane talking about getting babies to sleep. Doc Brown raising daughters. Uh, DJ Spoonie was on there parenting separately. So uh, yeah, if you're interested, uh, you don't even have to be a dad. Just check it out. How's Your Father podcast. Lovely. Awesome. Dom, how do, how do people find you on the Twitter? Yeah, I'm uh, Dommy underscore Daniel, D-O-M-M-Y underscore Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L. I'm on there. Always up for a chat. I have people uh, sending me abuse daily, so join them um, and I'll happily send you some back. <laughs> awesome. Okay, thanks for joining, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks, Pete. Every, uh, and I'll share this podcast out. Um, ciao for now. See you guys. Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event every day yes! it's all the unprecedented United States wins gold unstoppable sensational unbelievable sports to love sign up now at peacocktv.com sports social podcast network